Hello friends, I'm your host Dave Layton and thank you for joining me in our journey to hope. It is my desire through this podcast to bring you information about how to discover, sustain, or perhaps regain hope. In this episode, we'll be talking with Taurus Fuller. Taurus has what I consider one of the most challenging jobs, but also a very rewarding job, as he serves as the chaplain at the Prattville campus of the Montgomery Cancer Center. Hello, Taurus. Hello, Dave. Wasn't it a great day today? Yes, it was. Uh, Folks, um, at the Cancer Center, when we have a, a, a cancer patient, that has completed their uh, regimen of of chemo and their treatments are over, we have what we call a bell ringing ceremony. We have a brass bell mounted on the side of the wall. And so today we had a bell ringing ceremony for a lady that uh, survived breast cancer. But not only was it her bell ringing day, it was her birthday. That was just great, and so it was fun to do that. By the way, the anniversary of my bell ringing is October 27th. Wow. So I'm looking forward to, uh, it'll be one year of being cancer-free. So I got to ring that bell. I sure did. All right. Well, I stated that your position uh, is, is our chaplain at the Cancer Center, but I'd like you to tell the listeners a little bit more about yourself. Sure, Dave. I'm originally from South Florida, the Fort Lauderdale, Florida area. I was born and raised there in the South Florida area, Fort Lauderdale, Florida area. Um, Went to high school there, also went to college in the state of Florida, went to seminary uh, in the state of Florida. I'm married, uh, have two daughters in high school, and I've been in Alabama for over seven years now. Oh, okay, okay. We'll claim you now, seven (laughs) years, we own you. I have some tenure. So when you uh, when when uh, Alabama plays Florida, we we have some conflict going on there. Yes, we do. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. It's all fun. Well, you know, I tease you a little bit about your name, Taurus. Uh, that's not a first name that I'm familiar with hearing a lot. So, what's the history of that name? Well, the history of my name is the fact that my mother named me after my father's zodiac sign. Okay. But when I was born, and it was time for her to. Uh, write my name on the birth certificate, she had a writer's block. So instead of spelling it like the zodiac sign, she spelled it differently uh, from the zodiac sign. So when I got older and I realized that I thought my name was misspelled, I told her that I wanted her to change my birth certificate to have the right spelling. But she told me the story that when I was born, that she had writer's block, and that's the way she spelled it at the time because that that's all that she could think of at that moment, how to spell it. So once she explained that to me, I decided, well, I'm not going to have her change my birth certificate because the spelling is very unique. <laughs> it is. Well, you're a unique individual in a very good way, and so that, that name matches you very much. Thanks, Dave. And uh, it, it's, it, is, it is an unusual name. All right. Well... I think most of us have an image in our minds mm-hmm. about what a chaplain is and what a chaplain does. And uh, so I'd like you to tell us a little bit about what a day in the life of a chaplain looks like. And, and let me ask you a question real quick about that. What does it take to be a chaplain? Well, to serve as a chaplain uh, at the Cancer Center, which is a facility of Baptist Health, you have to have a Master of Divinity degree or equivalent. Okay. And you have to have uh, four units of CPE called Clinical Pastoral Education. 
And usually in order to obtain those four units of clinical pastoral education, you have to go through a one-year residency program, whether it's at a hospital, a hospice facility, or some other type of facility where you're getting uh, hands-on clinical training as well as, well as educational training. Okay. And the educational piece is when um, you have reading assignments, you have writing assignments, uh, you're reflecting on your experiences in the clinical setting and how can you sharpen your skills, how can you improve. If you had another opportunity to do a do-over, what would you do differently if you had an opportunity uh, to do it again based upon your encounter okay. uh, with that patient, that family member, or a particular staff member. Okay, so you get to be your own case study. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Yeah, All there's, right. A lot of, there's a lot of reflection and introspection okay. you know, for yourself and you learn okay. more you learn more about yourself also in that in that process. Well, you're very qualified for the field, not just in your education, but uh, I, I've enjoyed watching you. I can't help it, but I enjoy watching uh, all of our staff as they interact with our, our patients. And um, you bring, and I'm going to get to the question in a minute, but, <laughs> but you bring a, a sense of quietness mm. to that patient. I watched you today. You were... Um, I forgot whose area you were in. I think it may have been Debbie's area. You were, you were it was the gentleman that was back in the corner mm -hmm. and uh, you were speaking with him for a little bit. But I've seen you sit by folks and talk with them and, and uh, that, that's just an incredible thing to watch and be a part of that. So, okay, let's get back to the question. Tell us what the day in the life of a chaplain looks like. Well, first and foremost, no day is the same well, yeah. uh, in the life of chaplaincy. You never know uh, what you're going to encounter uh, on that particular day. So you have to be uh, open. You have to be willing to have your schedule interrupted. Um, you have to be willing to uh, adapt quickly depending on uh, what's going on with that patient or that family member or, or staff member because, um, you know, each day is unique, each day is different, and you have to be willing to kind of just allow your schedule to be interrupted and, uh, and just go with the flow uh, of the traffic and, 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 and do your best to try to meet the need of that individual wherever they are you know, at that moment. It, it can be a situation in which um, a patient is very disappointed because um, they've went through some lab work and the lab, uh, the lab results were not favorable. And as a result of the lab work not being favorable, they're disappointed. Sometimes they may become tearful and the fact that they're disappointed or tearful, they may not be able to undergo their treatment for that day. Mm -hmm. And that kind of sets them back, you know, due to the fact that they're not able to do their treatment because they were looking forward to the treatment uh, to help them to progress and to, and to get better. So when a situation comes up like that, you kind of have to be, uh, you know, I guess uh, a terminology that I'm going to use that I read yesterday from another uh, uh, clinician, uh, clinical chaplain in Tampa, Florida, he used this phrase, uh, a grief catcher. You have to be like, a, as a chaplain, you're like a, a, a grief catcher um, and your interactions with patients or families uh, can, you know, can cause you to go from mental health situation to a crisis situation or to a grief situation. And as a chaplain, you're kind of that, that grief catcher where you're, you know, sometimes you may have this juggling act where you're dealing with a crisis here, you're dealing with a grief here, you're dealing with a loss 
over here mm -hmm. and you have to just find that that way um, to try to meet that yeah. person you know where they are you know at that moment okay you know I went through some of that myself mm -hmm. uh, as I was in my year um, in June of that year of treatment um, I thought that was when my treatment was going to be finished mm -hmm. Uh, we were working toward that, and I was excited. Oh, man, this is going to be my last day of treatment. And only to come to find out, no, you've got to go all the way through October. Mm -hmm. So now I went, felt like I was starting all over again. You were not on staff at that time. Uh, the chaplain wasn't on duty that day, so Brentley became my grief catcher. I like that term, <laughs> grief catcher. And uh, she was my nurse, and uh, she she's just such an incredible person. But... Uh, yeah, well, it was it was a tearful moment, disappointment, and yeah. uh, so. But again, it, it and 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 I, I know you're the chaplain, and you're that focal point for that sort of thing. But all of us on staff serve in that capacity. But uh, we rely on you a lot, and uh, we appreciate you doing it. Now, back to the point though about uh, the, the day in the life. I, I, yeah, no day is the same. You're right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you're there, uh, you, you interact with the patients on um, different levels. We're finding people at what's truly, um, for some of them, first time in their life that mm -hmm. they've had their hope challenged at that level. And so what do you do? Uh, the theme of this podcast, as I stated in my intro, was the idea about helping people discover, sustain, or re, uh, rediscover uh, their their hope um, or regain hope. How do you help a person with that in your capacity? Well, Dave, I try to um, provide a a calming and comforting presence um, yeah. to each patient, staff, or family member um, when I'm in their vicinity. When I I'm glad you said family member. Uh, yes, that's that's a big part of it as well. I'm yes. sorry, I interrupted. No, Please that's go good. Ahead. That's good. Yeah, but um. Yeah, I try to provide that calming and comforting presence um, to each individual, um, facilitating a conversation, but not dominating the conversation. Facilitate the conversation and allowing the individual uh, to drive the conversation, mm -hmm. providing a safe space um, for that person to feel valued, to feel welcome, uh, to feel heard, to let them know that at that moment, you know, that I'm right there for them, you know, at that point mm -hmm. of their journey as they go through their process. Uh, you know, as the chaplain there at the cancer center, you know, as I'm interacting with patients, they, you know, they often say, I know you have other people to see. And I say, yes, I do, but I'm with you right now. That's right. So I'm, I'm, I'm focusing on you. <laughs> you are my patient. So, so that's, you're, right. that's right. You're my patient right now and I'm focusing on you yes. while I'm in your company. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I, you know, I, I, I try to provide that calming and comforting presence, not being uh, judgmental, not being condemning, but being comforting to them to provide some type of a uh, sense of hope yeah. or inspiration to them while they're going through their journey of their treatment regimen. Yeah. You know, when I got off duty today, um, one of my heroes came on duty as a volunteer, Jane. Yes. <laughs> uh, Jane Jane was the uh, volunteer that met me the first time I received treatment and took me back to the area. Mm -hmm. And she told me, I, I told her, I said, you're treating me like I'm your only patient. And she said, well, to me, you are. 
And, and I told her later in a discussion, I said, you knew exactly what to say. By the way, I made a mistake the other day and, and I felt so bad about it. I was talking with a patient mm -hmm. and unconsciously I looked at my watch and, and she said, oh, I'm keeping you. And I said, no, no, you're not. I, I just saw something happen and it reminded me about what time it was. I says, but I, I'm yours. I think I'm gonna stop wearing my watch. <laughs> I felt so bad about that because like you said, I'm there for you. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, take that watch off. <laughs> All right, uh, anything else about that though? Sorry. Also with, um, with you know, helping folks discover, sustain, or regain hope is just providing that ministry of presence. Yeah. Just letting them know that I am there for you, uh, even if there's no concern or any issues that you have at this moment, just reminding them that mm -hmm. when you're here in the future, I'm still available for yeah. you uh, in the future when you come back to the cancer center uh, for your next treatment session. Yeah. And they, sometimes, Yes, they're receiving their professional treatment, mm -hmm. uh, medical treatment, but sometimes that's what they need. They just need that person to listen to them and, and share with them what they're going through, that journey. Mm -hmm. and, and that's just so important. Yeah, because commu community is vital. And some people don't have a support system. Some mm -hmm. of them don't have a family support system, don't have a faith support system or friend support system. So sometime as the chaplain or you as the volunteer or the nurse or the social worker, we may be their only support system, yeah. you know, while they're undergoing their treatment. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we, we <laughs> you, you made the comment that you're there for the patient. The patient is first always. Right. But close behind that patient is that caregiver. I love seeing caregivers yeah. at, at, the, at the clinic because uh, they're just so valuable for that person. And then sometimes they're there by themselves. Mm -hmm. And so we, we get to step into that role as we can, uh, as appropriate. So and I'm always glad to do it. And even with the caregiver or the family member there, you know, mm -hmm. I, you know I offer my services mm -hmm. or my help to them as well because yeah. being a caregiver is very vital, it's very crucial and sometimes um, caregivers neglect their well-being. Sometimes they neglect their self-care because they're, you know, adamant about looking, you know, after the person that's undergoing the treatment. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I invite, you know, them to, you know, that I'm here for them also, you know, while they're there yeah. uh, at the facility, you know, with the patient also. And sometimes, you know, you know, the caregiver or that family member needs an outlet also yes. to be able to uh, share or to be, uh, you know, just to voice their concerns. And sometimes, you know, um, you know, as the chaplain, sometimes you're that, you know, you're that voice of calmness. You're that voice of hope. You're, you're that voice of inspiration. And sometimes you're just a sounding board, you mm -hmm. know, for that individual just to let them vent or just get out whatever it is that they need to get out at that moment because sometimes, you know, things are just bottled up inside and they just need to, they just need to let it out. Well, as I said, this is perhaps the most significant challenge mm -hmm. to their hope and, and a lot of folks just, I mean, who expects this? Who, who, <laughs> how, how, do you, how do you train to deal with that situation as a person myself happening to me? Um, you know, sometimes in, in, 
I absolutely love our patients. I get to know them and appreciate them and understand what they're going through. Some of our patients we know mm-hmm. are ending their life. Yes, they're in a they're in the last stages of it. Uh, we're treating them for comfort. Um, it, it has a unique set of challenges, but. It's not something that we run from. We're there for that too. Can you speak to that just a little bit? Uh, Helping a person come to grips with their mortality, I guess, is what I'm talking about there. Yeah, particularly for a a patient where they know that, you know, it's getting close. Um, That mortality is becoming more of a reality. Yeah. Um, And with that, they're experiencing what's called anticipatory grief. Okay. Anticipatory grief basically uh, means that um, they are experiencing a future loss. They are grieving a future loss, even though it hasn't happened yet. But anticipatory grief means that you know it's it's ahead of them, and they realize it's ahead of them, and they know it's coming. So they start to grieve, okay. you know, before it actually grieving you know, a loss before right. that loss is actually, actually happens. Yeah, yeah. And, okay. and and that can happen a lot um, with um, patients that they know that you know their days are 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 fewer or getting mm-hmm. or getting and getting less. So they start to they start to grieve, um, you know, even though it hasn't happened. But they start right. they start grieving because they may have some. Um, regrets. Uh, they may wish they have uh, done certain things. Uh, you know, m- maybe they've had certain things on their bucket list, and now they know that you know my final days are ahead. Now I've not been able to accomplish those things on my bucket list. Um, um, grieving about how does how will my family okay. um, move on? Sure, you know, without me. You know, if they have young kids that are not grown, um, still in school or whatever, you know, how, you know, who will take care of my children? How will my children move forward, you know, you know, without me? If they have elderly or aging parents or family members, you know, how will that impact, you know, you know, their loved ones Mm -hmm. or, or their friends? So they start to explore and think about a whole lot of things. Uh, at that moment, that yeah. can really uh, push them in a, in a in a state of depression, and okay. you know, and sometimes, uh, as the chaplain, you're there to uh, journey with them, and and allow them to talk out, you know, their concerns or or whatever it is is on their heart and their mind, and you're just journeying along with them. You're facilitating the conversation. But you're not dominating right. the conversation, and you're and you're being that listening ear. You you know you 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 have that uh, um, you're, you're you're practicing you know reflective listening or active listening, and, okay. you, and you know and you're you're listening to what they're saying, and then you're starting to repeat uh, things back to them of what they're saying, so that they truly understand mm-hmm. uh, what it is uh, that that they're saying. So. When, a, when patients are at those final moments, yeah, they, they start grieving um, and they can end up, you know, feeling um, depressed. Some of them, you know, um, could be down and out because, you know, they're, you know, their final days ahead of them and they're, um, 
they're wrestling with a, a sense of purpose or uh, a sense of meaning. You know, was my life meaningful? Has my life been meaningful? Okay. You know, you know what? You know, I'm still trying to discover the purpose of my life, and now, you know, now I'm about to, you know, check out, you know, check out here on Earth, and um, so there, you know. Um, and there could be conflicts between um, their beliefs and, and the treatment regimen um, that they're undergoing. You know, it could be um, relationship problems with their with their spouse or with their children. It could okay. be uh, unresolved guilt. Oh, wow. um, you know that you know that they're dealing with. You know, mm -hmm. uh, weird family dynamics um, in which. Um, um, Maybe the, the parent hasn't spoken to the child in so many years. Now, you know, my final days are ahead. So how, you know, do I have time to reconcile, you know, with my child or my loved one or my friend, even though it may have been 20 or 30 years since we've seen each other or talked to someone. But now, you know, that <clears throat> their final days are coming, you know, closer and closer to not being here you know, a lot of stuff is coming to the surface and now they're starting to think about and wondering, you know, how they can make things better or if they could change anything. Uh, There's a lot going on there. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, uh, some of those things I understand clearly. You pointed out a few things that I hadn't even thought about, but yeah, they are there. You know, I tell people when I, when I talk with them and work with them that hope is alive even in that terminal situation mm -hmm. hope is alive until we give it up and so I keep encouraging them not to give up hope but sometimes we have to help them change what they had hoped for mm -hmm. to something else that they're hoping for um, and in your explanation there you know okay I haven't I haven't accomplished this I have not resolved this mm -hmm. and I'm likely not going to have time to fully resolve it or to resolve it and so we have to help them find that hope mm -hmm. and of course I'm I'm wanting people to understand that true and lasting hope is found in our Lord Jesus Christ and and uh, ultimately that's where I would want to guide anybody to uh, but sometimes you can't get there because there's a whole lot of hurdles between here and there. And we yeah. have to deal with very real world things in their life. Um, you know, something else too, and I, you, you kind of touched on it a little bit. On top of all of that, uh, mental stress and mm -hmm. all that they're going through, they still have to deal with the treatment. Yes. And, and the sometimes painful effects mm -hmm. of that treatment and, and the changes that it's bringing upon their quality of life. And we have to help them with that as well. Yeah, because all of that plays a vital role in their physical health. Uh, in, in the, yeah, overall, absolutely. In the, in the totality of yeah. that, of that yeah. person. Yeah. So, you know, the depression, the stress, yeah. you know, the anxiety, yeah. you know, all that, all that plays a role in yeah. the physical aspect you know, of your treatment. Yeah, and you know who gets hit with that the hardest at first is that nurse. Mm -hmm. I, I talked to Brentley one day. We, I was having a stressful day getting into work, and I knew there was a wreck on the interstate, and she was having a stressful time getting into work. Mm -hmm. She gets there, and the EKG machine wasn't working. The second one wasn't working, and they finally <laughs> got the third one to working, and she just treated it like this is another day. We're pressing on, and I asked her, I said, Brentley, they don't let you have a bad day, do they? And she said, oh no, when when I have a bad day, you're going to have a bad day, and we do not want that. Yeah. 
And uh, so I, that was just, uh, it, it, there's so many folks there at the cancer center that help out. Mm -hmm. But again, you know, you, you, you're the one sometimes that has to bear the brunt of a lot of um, things that people are, are facing. Okay, some other thoughts. As, as, a, as a chaplain, you have to be, you have to be open and willing uh, to talk to patients, um, family members, caregivers, um, even even staff about anything and meet them where they are. Mm -hmm. And just because um, their values or beliefs may be different mm -hmm. from yours, mm -hmm. you still have to be open and receptive. Sure. Um, to meet them and respectful to that and person be respectful. as well. Absolutely, and be respectful. Absolutely, and to meet them where they are, even yeah. even if our cultural and religious beliefs are totally right. different, we still have to be uh, respectful to one another. And personally, Dave, um, my my theology of pastoral care is basically that I believe that everyone is created in the image of God. Therefore, I believe that everyone should be treated with respect and care. Right. You know, do unto That's others right. as right. you want them to do unto you. Yes. And 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 be compassionate. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna demonstrate the love and compassion of our Lord, if if I'm throwing up barriers and hurdles with that person. Absolutely. I'm I'm not gonna be able to guide them to our Lord or show them the Lord. I, yes. I uh, I don't go in and say, well, what religion are you? Uh, well, I'm sorry, you're going to have to go. No, we <laughs> we don't even go there. Right, right. <laughs> we don't go there. Yeah, uh, yeah because as as a, as a chaplain, I'm not there to proselytize right. anyone right. about my right. about my beliefs or my faith. But you know, but at the same time, you know, uh, if the question is posed sure. about my beliefs, sure. then I'm open to share with Absolutely. them about my beliefs, yep. about the hope that I have and my faith and stuff like that. And then I invite them, you know, to share with me yeah. about what their faith tradition is and what their beliefs yeah. are. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And to have a meaningful and wholesome conversation about if, that. If I want them to listen to me, I am going to listen to them. Not yes. You know, I uh, asked Lisa Rose, our volunteer coordinator, when uh, I was going through orientation with her. I said, Lisa, I I want to pray for people. Is it okay if I have a notebook where I'll write a person's name down mm -hmm. and so I can remember uh, for my prayer list? And she said, Do you want to see mine? <laughs> <laughs> we have to protect the patient's privacy. Absolutely. Uh, but that was a part of it too, and uh, and and then she says, you know, it's okay to pray with a patient and to pray for a patient, and it's okay to share your faith with them. But as you said, mm -hmm. share. Yes. And that doesn't mean dominate. We want to listen to folks, and and okay, that's great. All right. Any other thoughts? Sure. You, you, Probably, you brought some I'm, wonderful things out. Maybe Thank a couple you. a couple more things. Sure. I just want to throw out there that um, smiling does not mean that they're okay. Oh. And laughing does not mean that they are not sad. Mm -hmm. Smiling doesn't mean they are okay. And laughing does not mean they are not sad. So they might be putting up a false front. Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you have to try to dig a little deeper if they allow you to yeah. um, dig a little deeper to see what's okay. really going on. 
um, behind that smile or behind that laugh because mm -hmm. sometimes it can be a decoy to try to cover up sure you know what what's really going on because I realized that uh, you don't have to know someone's exact pain to know pain mm -hmm. because our pain is not the same and even though our pain is not the same we can still try to minister and journey along with people yeah. to reach them where they are at, at that moment. Yeah, we understand what they're going through. Mm -hmm. We sympathize. Mm -hmm. We, I remember in my counseling training years ago, the, the, they say, stay away from the phrase, I know what you're experiencing. Right. Because we don't truly, mm -hmm. now, you know, obviously we have the patient's record and we know mm -hmm. the kind of disease they're fighting and, and the manifestations mm -hmm. of that but not the person, mm -hmm. well, how they're handling it. Yeah, you're right. You have to stay away from those statements. I know what you're going through. Yeah. I, I yeah. know how you feel. No, I <laughs> I really don't know how you feel. No, I don't. I really don't understand, you know, how you're feeling right now. But, you know, but mm -hmm. but I'm here to support you. Mm -hmm. I'm, you know, I'm here to, you know, empathize yeah. with you. And I'll ask you them, know. well, explain to me what you're thinking or mm -hmm. tell me how you're feeling about that. Those mm -hmm. kinds of things. Yeah. To because, get them to vocalize you know, that. Yeah, because all of our... All of our pain is different. Yeah, it our pain is unique. You know, our loss is not the same. Our our grief, you know, is not the same. Our problems, you know, are not the same. Right. So that's you know when you have to put on that heart of compassion mm -hmm. and and gentleness um, as you approach uh, each individual on a day by day basis, and you okay. have to take you have to take each. Uh, uh, person differently because no one's the same. It it's an exciting environment in which to work because you are dealing with people and helping people. Mm -hmm. But again, it's a it's a very challenging, uh, exciting, and I don't mean that in a uh, that may not be the best word to say exciting. I, I just uh, there, there's something about um, the satisfaction mm -hmm. of helping folks and being there for folks. And um, like I mentioned earlier, when we see somebody ringing that bell, mm -hmm. you know, that's a victory. It over, is. Over. Celebration. Yeah. And uh, I love that we line the hallway and it's, it's a joyous moment in that person's life. Mm -hmm. It really is. And I have experienced it and it is great. Hey, for instance, if a, if a patient says with me, hey, I met with the doctor earlier and and things are looking great, my tumor is shrinking, you know, I get excited. Hey, let's celebrate that. Yeah. That's great news. Yeah. Um, that's a that's what I like to call a moon pie Monday. <laughs> <laughs> no matter the day of the week. Okay. Uh, any other thoughts? I mean, you really appreciate what you're saying. You're giving us a good insight. And by the way, not just in how you fulfill your role as a chaplain, but that helps us as we deal with people in our lives that may be going through it. Friends we know, people from church or mm -hmm. neighbors or whoever, family members, mm -hmm. uh, helps us understand what they're going through and yeah. to help them. Yeah. And I think um, being a good chaplain, um, in, in my perspective, um, is about being yourself. Okay. Being being confident and comfortable mm -hmm. uh, with who you are, even though you um, 
come across people from uh, different walks of life, uh, different experiences, different cultures. Um, be confident and comfortable with who you are and be the best you um, that you can be and realize that nobody can beat you being you. You know, (laughs) I got, I got, not got in trouble. I got called down today. (laughs) (laughs) When I get excited, I get a little bit louder. Okay. And uh, uh, Mary came over and said, shh. (laughs) 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 We were celebrating over in the corner. Uh, And and so you and I approach things a little bit different. You have a little bit more of a calming effect. I have a a little bit more (laughs) out front effect. But anyway, it's great. Okay. Wonderful. All right. Anything else, my brother? I think I think that's about it, Dave. Okay. Well, Taurus, thank you. Uh, thank you for agreeing to be a part of this podcast, but thank you for what you do. I, thank I you, truly, Dave. truly appreciate it. Thank you for inviting me. Uh, yeah, it's a joy to see how uh, you offer others that love and compassion of our Lord because that, that's truly, again, I tell people we're in the hope business. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're, we're helping them rediscover, sustain it, whatever the case may be. So... Okay, well, thank you very much. I look forward, really, I do look forward to continuing to work with you uh, at the clinic. Okay. Well, friends, thank you for joining me together as we journey to hope. I invite you to follow this podcast so you can continue to gain insights into not only our journey to hope, but how we can help others in their journey. I invite you to contact me if you have any questions or comments or you wish to share with me something you've experienced in your journey to hope. My email is ourjourneytohope at gmail.com. That's our journey and the number two, hope, at gmail.com. I look forward to sharing more with you soon. Again, thank you for listening. And until our next episode, remember, we give all glory to God our Father.